Hi, my name is Sean Keyes, and this is You, Me, and BPD. Every week I try and talk about something about mental health to see if I can help anyone with mental illness, and especially those with BPD. So this week I'm going to talk about uh, rejection. Now, rejection is a big thing for people with BPD, and I think what science is starting to figure out now is that um, in the mindset of a person with BPD, when they're developing, um, they feel rejected. So an incident that might have happened when they were children might trigger their brain into feelings of rejection. And for most people with BPD, this basically means for probably the most part of their life then if i'm thinking about it and look these are just my opinions they're all is just my opinions i'm not a doctor it's only how i see bpd how i look at the world but i'm just trying to think about it and empathize we'll say with a larger community of people with bpd and even that when i when i'm saying this my mind is critical of myself going there's just so many of us out there there's so many people it, there isn't one person with BPD and the next person is the exact same. That's just not how it works. We're, we're very, very different people. Um, but one thing that we do have in common is the fear of rejection. And for me, it seems to be the biggest fear. I, I remember when I was a child, um, being rejected for me as a child was was huge. And, and to be quite honest with you, you know, again, my mind is, my mind is very critical. So if I'm talking, my mind constantly criticizes to make sure I'm telling the truth. Um, it doesn't bother me so much today, but my the mindset that I have for some reason is if I'm talking, my, mind's, my mind, my inner mind in the background will constantly make sure that I'm leaning towards the best possible truth I can. So definitely when I was a child, um, my fear of rejection was unbelievable it hurts so much um that i suppose reflecting on it now i used to just go outside and cry i'd never let anybody see me crying as a child it was my only defense it was my only defense that i had because if i cried um anyone that was trying to hurt me won so i wouldn't cry but i would always walk away and cry when nobody was watching and uh, yeah, that's a it's a it's a memory I have when I was a child where I had a dog up and up and where I lived, and uh, yeah, that dog was was my best friend. He's seen many times me crying, but anyway, um, definitely fear of rejection. It hurts so much, and because it hurts so much, we feel everything again to the extreme. So when we feel rejected. It hurts so much inside of us. I can only describe it as somebody ripping your skin off your body and then pouring salt onto it. It really, really hurts. It's so hurtful. Um, and, you know, and I'm I'm remembering that hurt now. It, it's it's horrible. It's it's such a hurtful feeling. It's I can only describe it as somebody literally ripping your skin off and instantly pouring salt all over you, your body. And that's the pain. And what the people from the outside see is generally a fit of rage, is an absolute fit of rage, a tantrum, 
probably wrecking a place if I'm being honest. Um, and for a person looking at this, they're absolutely stunned some of the times with the with the reaction of people with BPD. And I definitely know from myself. Um, when I used to throw tantrums years ago and go into a fit of rage, people just didn't know what to do with me because they were like, what is going on? That's just way beyond what happened. But to me, it was just like they ripped my skin off and then poured salt on me. So, like, if you'd done that to an animal, they would be the exact same. And unfortunately, that's the pain that we feel. It's nobody's fault that we feel this pain, I believe. You know, we're born hypersensitive. We come into a world, you know, some some, some of us... um come from abusive homes some of us i know some of us don't um but the one thing we all have in common is because we are so hypersensitive that we feel pain to its extreme so something that might not affect one person will really affect us and it's very traumatic for us i know i definitely know one girl and 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 you know this is the reason i'm talking here today the reason i'm talking here today i've many many reasons but this was one of the original reasons. Um, I have children now, and I want them to listen to this, hopefully, in time. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to relate to it. But um, I have people uh, that I want to talk to and, you know, get me a message across, basically. But what happened to me is when I was in therapy once, and I was doing a DBT course, and it's a great course. Um, I was doing a course, and we... We're chatting away, and I got chatting to this girl, and I said to her, so how are you, how's things, and you know, friendly enough, everyone had borderline personality disorder, so we got along great, and um, I said, so you know, did you come from a traumatic background, and she said, no, and I says, oh, like, all right, because my experience, and up to that time, um, I think this was 2012, when we were doing the course, I believed abuse equals borderline personality disorder and that's exactly how i had it in my head if i'm being honest so i said to her you know did you you had you had no abuse at all and she said no and i said well i was stunned i said what happened like what what happened to you when i was nine years of age i think she was eight or nine she was only a child i was doing ballet and the teacher mocked me in front of the class now, you know, I, I have a child now and she's seven years of age and she, she'd be shy, shyish girl. And if she was mocked, she'd be mortified. So I can understand that in a sense that she would be mortified. Um, but that's what triggered her into her borderline personality disorder. And this girl found it hard to work. She found it hard to hold down relationships, hold down friends. Um, you know, she couldn't manage her emotions and when she told me this, I I said to her, so, like, what were your parents like? And she says, wonderful, absolutely very caring people, always looking out for me. And I was like, well, you know, I was stunned. If I'm being honest, I was stunned. It was like, this was, for me, scary, because for the first time in my life, I was listening to somebody saying, no, I have great parents, I have wonderful parents. So... I asked her, what was your grandparents like and all this? And she goes, no, I came from a very stable, warm, loving background. And I was like, the Lord, lambs of Jesus, this is going to fucking open up a new kind of worms for me because 
I thought abuse equals BPD. And then I started looking further and further into it. And as it turns out, now I know quite a lot of people that come from very stable backgrounds and they have BPD. So it pushed me into researching BPD further, into researching. This is why, if you listen to previous podcasts, I talk about food and sleep and exercise. Because that girl absolutely scared the living life out of me, thinking, what if I have children one day and I overcome my BPD and I give them a stable background and myself and my wife give them a stable background and then they get it, you know, and then I was thinking, Jesus, I thought I had the answers. And as it turns out, I really don't have the answers because I'm still learning. It's amazing how many different people are out there with BPD, how different we all have different levels of sensitivity. I'm tipping the iceberg and I'm not even tipping the, the top of the iceberg. I'm just standing on the very top of the iceberg with a little tiny pick to how much I know about BPD. I know nothing yet. I still have so much more to learn. I have so, so much more to learn. But yeah, that 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 was my reason for coming into this and, and kind of really, really researching it as much as I can um, to try and help other people help myself um, and, and especially, you know, now that I have children to be able to try and understand their mindset because I'm a very tough person and I don't say that with a sense of um, anything. I don't say it with a sense of like, oh, I'm a tough man. I was toughened by life. My life toughened me when I was a child. You know, my perception as a child, I, I my siblings are quite, a, you know, some of them are quite a good bit older than me, like 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 years. So as a child, when I was growing up, um, I kind of had, you know, one older sibling there. She's about two and a half years older than me. But the rest of them were fairly old, as far as I could see. And there was a lot of trauma in our house. Unfortunately, there was a lot of trauma in our house and a lot of chaos, you know, constant chaos. So I, I couldn't seem to get a level footing if you want to call it that when I was five six or seven years of age and I just realized I'm gonna to have to do this on my own it was just horrible I, I I'm gonna to have to do this on my own so from my mindset I believed if I don't do this on my own I'm gonna die and I suppose I've never really changed that outlook the unfortunate thing about that is I became extremely tough and independent um, I'm nearly too independent as a person. I can completely manage on my own. You should not have to do that. That level of independence should not be there. Um, that's not a good thing to be able to manage completely on your own, to cope completely on your own. You should depend on people. You should be able to depend on people. Now, I have a great family. I have a fantastic family. You know, I'm 42 now. And we all help each other. And I'm, I'm so proud of my family in that sense that we all kind of stick together. Every one of us help each other, and I'm really proud of that, to be honest. But anyway, back to fear of rejection, which is the reason I'm recording this. It's the common thing with people with BPD. It's the one thing I see. Um, definitely, it hurts us so much. And it's like anything in life. You know, if you if I was to say to any tomorrow now or today or whatever time you're listening to this podcast, tomorrow now just go outside and look for any color red. All day you're going to see the color red. 
and you'll probably go fuck that Sean Keys anyway I'm seeing nothing but red now but the fact is that I'm putting this into your head and I'm telling you look at the color red and then you're going to see red you're going to see it because I'm putting that thought into your head the fear of rejection is constantly in people's minds that have BPD and especially it was in my mind you know I'm not going to speak for everybody because again that's wrong it was in my mind so I'm always looking not so much now but in the past I was always looking to see was I being rejected did you do something that just rejected me? And I, my reactions was always extreme because the fear then of people leaving me and the fear of rejection was horrible because, again, you're so hurt. You're just so hurt from it, like, you know, the type of way. And it's like, why are you rejecting me? Because I suppose when I think about it, why are you rejecting me? When I was younger, I always felt like I was a monster. I felt like I was a worthless piece of shit. I felt like I was a horrible human being. Um, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't think anyone should love me. I, and when they rejected me, it confirmed absolutely everything that I thought about myself, which really fucking hurt, if I'm being honest. Um, I try my best not to curse. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so definitely fear of rejection. It's absolutely horrible. It's a horrible feeling that we get, and it really hurts. Um how did I get over fear of rejection is the question I suppose that my mind is asking me now. I realized that people aren't going to leave. That's the thing. Some people that are going to leave, they, they will leave and they're supposed to leave, but not everybody leaves. I have people in my life that are in my life since I was a child that you know, have never left. I, I've become best friends with, you know, some family members that I have. And we've been friends for, you know, the guts of 25 years at this stage. Um, they don't leave. The people that do leave, they do leave. And, and you know, something, that's okay too. Like, uh, you know, as an adult now, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well over my BPD in the sense of it doesn't, really interfere with my life anymore so i can reflect upon it rather than in it and as an adult yeah you know the people that leave your life they're not supposed to be in it one way or the other and and i and i say that with a sense of okayness that yeah not everybody is supposed to be in your life um the people that still are in my life are still in my life my friends that i knew and and gained years ago which i'm grateful still for they're still in my life, you know, we're all older now and we have kids and we don't see each other as much and that's the way life goes. But, you know, they're all still there if I need them. So the people that have left should leave. Um, It's not, my brain is going, that's not answering the question. This is what I love about my brain. It's so critical in the sense of it pushes me. And I love that about my brain. And now it gets me into a lot of trouble at times, if I'm being honest too, because it pushes these questions out. Um. How did I overcome my fear of rejection? I overcame my fear of rejection by understanding that, yes, I'm going to be hurt. And it does hurt. But I have to bring a bit of logic into it. So is the person really rejecting me or are they rejecting my actions? Most of the time they're rejecting my actions. And when I looked at that, that gave me the option then to change the actions that I did. So sometimes, yes, people reject your actions. They reject... If I'm being an arsehole, yeah, of course, I'm going to be rejected. So that gave me the chance to not be an arsehole. So why are they rejecting me? No, they weren't rejecting me. They were rejecting my actions. And this prompted me then to try and change my actions. 
And over time, I did change my actions. And then what I did was the rejection became less and less. And now I understand that people aren't rejecting me. They might reject what I do. They might reject my actions. They might not say, look, what you just did, I'm not happy with. And I reject that. So I don't take rejection anymore as personal. I am. Um, I take it as basically, if somebody does reject me, it hurts. It always hurts. The, I can honestly say I'm over BPD. And I know that can be a trigger for some people with BPD. But, you know, I've, I'm going to stick with this. I've worked my arse off and... I don't feel it, so I'm not going to say I feel it. If I was getting intrusive thoughts, if I was having meltdowns, I'd say, look, yeah, it's still there. I don't get intrusive thoughts, so I can't say I have BPD anymore. Um, And I don't do any of the mind traits anymore either. If I'm acting like an arsehole, and I'm not the saint, I'm not, you know, Padre Pio, I'm not any of this. If I am acting like an arsehole, and people reject that, Yes, I have to look at that logically and ask myself, well, they're rejecting that part of you that's being an arsehole, trying not to be an arsehole. And that's a very logical way I now look at myself in a sense of going, well, what did you just do? You know, how, what, what action did I just take there that people are rejecting me? And generally, I've just acted out. Um, so that's where I find rejection these days, if, 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 uh, if people do. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very sarcastic person. So, you know, I like to use sarcasm and humor. Excuse me. Um, so some people aren't into that. Some people are. And that's the way the world, that's the way the cookie crumbles, as they say. But definitely, yeah, rejection, um, it's the number one thing as far as I see with, with people with BPD, fear, rejection, or abandonment. It's the number one thing because... I'm, I'm going to speak for myself when, when I was in the depths of despair with my illness. You know, you already, and I, I'm repeating myself, you already think you're a monster. And then when people reject you, it confirms that. And that's a, that's horrible. It's, it's the worst thing on the planet. That's why people with BPD generally run back after people. Please don't leave me, you know. And unfortunately, if, and I'm not trying to make excuses for bad behavior because as far as I'm concerned, there is no excuse for bad behavior, but it's horrible when a person with BPD acts out. They can't stop it at the time. And then they get the release, which is really all they're looking for. They get that sense of release. The pressure builds up. They get the release. Generally, that's acting out. And just as they've, as they've finished the tantrum, they feel a sense of peace. The unfortunate thing is the person that they were tantruming with doesn't exactly feel the same sense of peace. And generally they want to leave. And that's where the nightmare begins as well, because you just got yourself a nice sense of release from pressure that could have been building up maybe over minutes or hours or days, depending on, on, on the situation. And the sense of release is great. But the aftermath is not. It's like the swell of a tsunami. You know, it, 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 it crushes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. For the other person, it's not so great. And they want to leave. And, and then that becomes the nightmare. Because how do you fix that? That's, that's the problem. It's throwing a tantrum and then someone else 
leaves and then you, you know there's the fear of abandonment all over again and this is something i want to do as well when i'm thinking about this this is something i really really want to do this is why i do podcasts now because i i it's handier talk than text what i can text in a couple of seconds or what i can say in a couple of minutes can take lots and lots of text that's why i got into podcasting but um yeah that's the, it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare for people when when in both parties when when one gets the release and the other person is looking at them like they're a monster because they've just acted out in a huge tantrum and that's an absolute nightmare where they they then feel the remorse and the cycle starts all over again all over again so then they get hit with the guilt the shame they get over the guilt and shame something else triggers them and they throw another tantrum and this is repetitive over and over again and how do you overcome that in my opinion is you really need to figure your triggers out i had to sit down and figure me triggers out i had to write them down and go look this is me trigger this is what upsets me you know um and hash that one out i just literally wrote them down the problem i think with, with myself years ago and not so much now was i was trying to fix all of me and for anyone that has bpd their mindset is absolutely chaotic it's huge it's like trying to count all the stars in one go it just doesn't happen that way you need to just one at a time so what i did was i i i got my triggers i wrote them down and i picked the easiest trigger i picked the one that didn't bother me that much and i worked on it i spoke with people that you know that i love and that are around me and that they're with me every day and i said look you know i'm going to try and work these triggers out you know i'm going to try and reduce me tantrums i was i was probably doing a tantrum once a week in in my in my prime and i don't mean prime in a good way um and i don't do tantrums now um but yeah once a week tantruming it's a lot of negative energy to be sustaining and then takes you a couple of days to recover from it but anyway i'm waffling here um i wrote down my triggers i said look this is what triggers me if you can please not say these words um because i'm going to try and overcome this trigger now life doesn't work that way people are going to say these words again to you in time but when you're trying to work through the trigger yeah you need a little bit of help in that sense now then what i did was i actually wanted them to say the words so i then you know monster was a an all-time favorite of mine I was, I was called a monster as a child and it was a real big trigger for me now you could call me a monster all day and i think it's hilarious if you called me a monster years ago um i would wreck a house i'd absolutely wreck a house which is not a nice thing to say but i would because just called the name monster it's just a name um yeah so basically what i did was i i tried to overcome it and then i wanted it used against me and the reason i wanted it used against me is this if you can own something it can no longer be used against you it's like if someone says to me you know you're an arsehole 100 i could have been an arsehole 
um, I might not have been, or I might have been, but yeah, yeah, why not? hundred percent. Um, and everything, if you can own it, nobody then has any foothold over you. So if anybody says anything to me now, I mean, useless was another one of mine. Um, I didn't like the word useless. I'm trying to remember my triggers. Useless was a big deal. I couldn't feel useless. I, um, you know, I, I was always told that I'd end up being a useless uh, bastard if the correct word would be used. And um, so useless was a major trigger word for me. And if someone said to me, that's useless, you're useless, that was a big deal. And when them words were said, it crushed me as a human being. It was the, it was the equivalent of, Jesus Christ, you know, it was the equivalent of literally being set on by an elephant. It crushed me. All of my living being just left my body when someone said you're useless because I felt I was useless. And when you feel you're useless and someone else says you're useless, it just confirms exactly what they're saying about you, you know, and, and, and again, that crushes you. So what did I do? I accepted the fact that I am useless. I'm still useless. Um, <clears throat> my brain is telling me, which is very true. I'm still useless. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm, there's thousands of things I'm useless at. Absolutely, absolutely thousands. I, I, I can't put an IKEA box together. I wouldn't be able to put a jigsaw together. I'm useless at stuff like that. Absolutely. And um, sometimes in work, which was a brilliant thing to overcome, to actually turn around and say, I'm useless. Um, as a painter, yeah, there's days when I'm useless. There's days when I'm absolutely of no use. 99.9% of the time, no, don't, my brain is, don't give, don't give it the 99.9, 9. 98% of the time, I'm not useless. Um, so yeah, them other 2%, I'm useless. And I can say that. Now I can say I'm useless. Because I am useless. There's things I'm always going to be useless at. I'm still trying to figure out BPD in the sense of I can figure it out for myself. I'm still trying to figure it out for the perceptions of other people with BPD. And I can tell you I'm absolutely useless in that in that area. I'm, I'm ignorant in that area. I'm absolutely, completely. Because as I said earlier on in the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. Um, I don't want my kids to be tough. I don't want my kids to grow up tough like I am. I, I don't think you need to be tough. I didn't need to be tough in life. That was something I didn't need to be. I'm trying my best now to be a gentleman because, um, you know, I have a son and, and he came already as a gentleman, and which is fantastic. And I'm trying, trying to learn how to be a gentleman. That's my new thing, trying to learn how to be a gentleman. It's interesting, if I'm being honest, um, and I will do it um, because I, I want to, I don't need to teach my son how to be a gentleman. He came already loaded being a gentleman and I have to adapt to him uh, because he's not tough and there's no way is he ever going to be tough and he's just not in his nature to be tough and I don't want to try and toughen him up because it's just not in his nature. So yeah, um, am I useless? Completely, I'm useless. I don't think I'm ever going to get this right. I, I'm just thinking about that. I don't think I'm ever going to get, like there's going to be, Another 50 years of me trying to figure out life, which, which is fantastic. I, I, I don't want to figure it out. I don't want to come along and go, I have this done, because you're never going to be done. As far as I'm concerned with life, you're never done. You couldn't possibly be done with life. There's just too much vastness to it. So am I useless? Yes. 
I came over my uselessness by accepting that I'm useless, by looking at it. And it was hurtful to actually be called useless all your life. And then to sit down one day and say, listen, we're going to have to, me and me, me and myself, we're going to have to actually sit down and look at this and go, look, you're completely useless. And you're going to have to accept that. And that was hurtful. Your brain does not want to go there. Mine didn't anyway. So I had to write down the things that I am useless at. And when I wrote them down, and I literally sat with my brain and went, look, it's okay that you can't put together, you know, Ikea, table and whatever, cabinets and stuff like that. I can't do stuff like that, which is ironic because I work on cars. My brain just doesn't do it. It, it, it. I don't have a mechanical brain. So I'm useless in that sense. Um, I'd listen to books all day long. I, I, I'd research for 30 hours a week minimum. I'm pretty good at that. I love that. That's, that's another reason why I do this podcast. I love books. And I don't love books and I'm great. I think that's a gift. I think you're born with a certain gift. And I love books. I'm... I think two people in my family out of eight that likes books. So the other six don't. So I think it's important to read books. And then if the other six want that information that they're not going to read the book, give it to them. Again, that's why I do podcasts, you know. So, yeah, am I useless at certain things? 100%. There's, and to sit down and read that and, and write it, should I say, that's important. You're looking at the negative side of yourself and you're accepting it and that's what i did i started looking at the negative side of myself that i never looked at in my whole entire life and i just started accepting that part of myself and 